Welcome to Letters to My Fanny, episode 19. Gosh, gosh, they clock up fast, don't they? Well, look, I'm just going to get this done and it's going to be a bit flaffily. But I've really been procrastinating with this podcast episode because I care hugely about it. I've put loads of pressure on myself to make the introduction perfect. But I really don't think I need to say much at all. This episode is with the Hotbed Collective. It is a collective that three of us set up, Lisa, Anarchy and myself, we set up last year after, I suppose, collectively having lots and lots of conversations with people about how much difficulty they were finding in their sex life after kids in a long-term relationship there was either no sex or it was really boring sex or one person wanted it more than the other or neither wanted it and it seemed like a huge huge recurring problem in long-term relationships and I suppose the question we all collectively were interested in is can you have hot interesting satisfying sex in a long-term relationship or in a long-term relationship with kids the media seems to think i think that once you get past 30 that you can no longer have hot sweaty face holdy sex which is unfortunate because even though we don't want to be the media does influence us And if you don't see in films or on the television or in books really, a lot or many or any examples of people in long-term relationships having a really great time in bed, there's something about our collective consciousness, I think, that thinks it's not what we should be wanting. There are more important things to do like pack lunches and homework, so you know, don't, don't go worrying about your orgasm level. And you know confidence is knocked after having children your body changes and everyone's knackered and busy and also you know do we get a bit bored of each other we know we've we've done the lusty tearing each other's clothes off bit we know what's underneath the jacket or the dress or whatever it is so it's boredom uh to you know but then if it is boredom what can we do about it the divorce rate is incredibly high and people people really people love each other in relationships and and it can be avoided we think but it needs to be an open conversation because i just don't think it's being talked about enough at the moment considering how many people are struggling with this subject so anyway i love these two women i love how open they are they give me permission to be really open We've talked about things I've never talked about anyone else with on the planet. Um, They are super bright and I'm really proud to be doing a project with them. Also, keep a lookout for our live event that's coming up in November. We're going to put tickets on sale really soon. That will be a live podcast in East London with some very, very funny women. We've got some really, really fun hopefully useful and interesting things uh, going on that night so watch out for those tickets follow us on instagram at the hotbed collective and also look at our website because there are some amazing amazingly interesting articles on there i know i'm part of the hotbed collective but um often i read it uh, as a as a as a punter i learned so much honestly i learned so much so um So do go on there. Please uh, let me know what you think. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. So I'm here with the Hotbed Collective. It's like the Three Musketeers. Hooray! Um, Now I've got my interviewer hat on today, but I am obviously part of the Hotbed Collective. But for the sake of simplicity, I'm just cherry today and you are the hotbed collective speaking on behalf of the hotbed collective i might pipe up let's see how it goes but it feels neater to just be the interviewer um and also we're listeners we're worried that we all sound the same so anarchy what are we going to do about that well i was just saying that i thought we should put on different accents yeah because apparently if you listen to podcasts and you all sound exactly the same it's very confusing yeah so i'm gonna i'm trying to do like a 
accent. I'm going to be very posh. Okay. You're going to be very posh. I think we should posh. do com- we com- comedy ones like in Eurotrash, where one of us is Welsh and one from the West Country. Oh, I talking about really like prudy, non-prudy things. All right. It's perfect. Okay. I, I'm excited to see how long you're going to maintain that. I've already stopped. <laughs> so yeah, basically that was the end of that. Hope everyone enjoyed that. So let's get cracking. Right. Where's the whip? Where's the... Yes, which is very thematic. So, Anarchy, why did you get involved with the Hotbed Collective? Um, well, it was quite a long tale, actually. Um, I think we met quite a long time ago, maybe two years ago. And at a party. At a party. At a, at a we, were, party. we were sitting opposite each other, yes. I remember. And I remember thinking, oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> Not cherry. Oh, <laughs> bloody <laughs> hell, I hate this seating Ugh. plan. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? But then I think quite quickly we started talking about sex for some reason I think it's probably because we've been drinking as well yeah. and um and interestingly quite a few people joined in um and I think the then, whole table yeah. and everyone in. was talking about similar things which is around this area of not having sex and especially not having sex after children mm. arrive um and I thought it was really interesting because I'd kind of felt like I was one of the few people who was experiencing this at that time and it was actually quite nice to hear that that was a very common experience. And I think it felt quite liberating. And I think after that, I kind of realised that actually people really only talk about it when they're drunk, um, really drunk. And why is that? And I think since we've started the Hotbed Collective, what's happened is that more people are coming forward and just talking about their stories. Not necessarily just about lack of sex, but just generally about sex and orgasms and how they feel. Um, and not feeling like they need to have had 16 gallons of Prosecco in order to do that. Um, so that's why I feel quite passionate about that. Yeah. Why? Okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Lisa, I'm just also moving the mic around to get maximum sound, but obviously it's really clunky and awkward. <laughs> Lisa, why did you start this really odd sex fiend project? So I always wanted an odd sex fiend project to, <laughs> to work on. And I, as part of Tantrum, started writing about sex after kids. So it's a parenting site, but we call it Parenting for Adults. Therefore, sex is a good topic. And what I noticed was that the articles I was writing, such as five sexy sex alternatives for people who may not have time or inclination or maybe have had a birth injury and don't want to do the whole shebang but still want to have a bit of fun, articles like that. And the other one we did that was a hit was how to make more time for sex when you're busy. Um, And we did one about, it was for the dads, which was what's happened to your partner's body after she's just given birth because, you know, you have that awful time where you just, it's the last thing on your mind. Well, I had that. Um, These articles did really well. They weren't being commented or liked, but they were being read. And I thought that's really, really interesting. And obviously there's a bit of a gap in information. So I then spoke to a friend of mine who was running, she worked for a sex toy company and she was running a series of um, pop-up shop sex workshops and I went to one and it was run by someone called Master Dominic who runs a sex dungeon Mm -hmm. in Clapton. It was brilliant, as you do. do. And it was really crowded and it was really fun. And then she said to me, well, why don't you do one on sex after kids? So I said, sure, why not? But I think it was on the 22nd of December anyway. I asked you, Cherry, if you wanted to um, be part of it, and you couldn't because it was the 22nd of December (laughs) in Shoreditch, Um, but you said, oh, no, but I'm really interested in this topic, so let's talk in January. Um, We did the event. It was a bit of a disaster. There wasn't many people that came, but I didn't... Oh, events. It was a bit of a nightmare, but then I kind of knew it with me. I was sort of like, 22nd of December, parents and Shoreditch is a really bad combination, but... So, there's a ghost in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Bonner. <laughs> um, but then... That bag just fell off a table, by the way. Like, yeah. Olivia Bonner is not here. Sex toys. A, a sex bag toy. <laughs> an empty bag, an empty bag. Um, so... The event was terrible, but it didn't really matter because it led to really cool things. So I, I always have respect for people that run events or that put themselves out there because sometimes they don't work out, but then things come from things. And actually, out of the event um, came the Hotbed Collective because then Cherry and I, we then had some cocktails. I think we went for coffee and it mm-hmm. turned into gin and tonics and all kinds of Standard. jazz. <laughs> and, then, and then that's when you said, look, I was talking to Anarchy last Christmas about this, so why don't we become uh, the Three Musketeers? And I said, yeah, 
It has been. I was saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah That's because yeah. you'd had I'll loads see. of gin and tonic. <laughs> I feel like alcohol is quite a big part of our kind of meeting fuel, isn't it? Um, so the Hotbed Collective was born. Um, and what is it to you? What is the Hotbed Collective? What is the elevator pitch? If you were trying to sell it to somebody in a minute, what would it be? Anarchy. Well, I see. I sound really retro because I keep calling it a platform, and that's not a platform. It's, <laughs> at the moment, it is a it's a collective. So basically, it's it exists, and people can send in writing or artwork or video. We write for it ourselves, um, and so at the moment, we've started off with that. We're we're going to do events as well, and I think the main thing is just about trying to make women and men, I guess, feel more confident about talking about sex. Also, giving really practical, tangible tips because I think too much. I think Lisa's right. I think too much of. I don't even know if you said this. Maybe you said this at another time, but I think too much of our kind of culture is kind of centered around young people and sex. And I think there's a bit of a sense that young people are always having really great sex. And ironically, I don't think that's probably true. Um, And I think there's a bit of a sense for lots of reasons that as you get into your late 30s and early 40s, sex kind of goes off the boil a bit. And I don't quite know if we really know what to do about that. And the big question at at the heart of it is actually, can you have a relationship with somebody and have kids with someone and have a good sex life? And that good sex life doesn't mean that you're literally shagging every single night because that's an additional pressure, I think, that you shouldn't be feeling. But can you have an intimacy there? Can you keep some sort of flame alive? And I think that's the thing that I feel is really interesting because I think so many people share that experience of having really hot sex in the beginning and then it really going off the boil and struggling and sometimes even splitting up because that happens. And so for me, if people can get tips on how to deal with that, and just feel good about, you know, their relationship and hopefully keep more relationships together, that would be a good thing, rather than just splitting up because basically you're going through a terrible dry patch, which is very common. I mean, it really is. Well, as soon mm. as you start talking with a group of women, mm. you get this massive sigh because people are like, oh, shit, yes, actually, we don't have sex very much. And then if there is one woman in the room who is having sex regularly, you can see all the women are kind of leaning forward to listen to her and they're like... Mm. How, is, how are you doing that? Because, you know, that kind of farting and burping and box sets, it's just not conducive to erotic behaviour. It does think. feel like there are more couples not having good regular sex than the, the opposite. Mm, like exactly. It seems such a massive, massive issue. And I think it's almost jokey. Like, we talk about it in a way like a joke. Oh, God, you know, I don't know when the last time I had sex, my vagina's closed up. Um, but it is really important because it's really, like, relationship-endingly important. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about the demise of relationships and marriages, but we don't think we really, really talk honestly about why that happens. And sex is sex, but it's also intimacy, like you say. Mm. So it's also your relationship. Mm. And you can have intimacy without sex, but sex is a pretty important part for most relationships. Mm. Lisa, I'll go on. Oh, oh, you have more to say. More? One more thing, because I think that's the other thing, is that we don't even talk about our relationship with ourselves and sex. So when I talk to another woman and she admits to watching porn, I find that a revelation because I'm kind of like, really? Like, is that allowed? And I think we're we're just too prudish. Like, having sex with your partner is one thing, but how do you have intimacy with yourself and feel okay about things like masturbation? Like, even people saying masturbation, you can feel everyone's bottom clenching the minute you say masturbation. Because I'm not in a sense of it. Masturbation, she said the word masturbation. Not in a sense. And I, you know, even my best friend, we... We can't talk about this stuff. I think when we were teenagers, we used to write notes to one another saying, have you, have you masturbated? And I just think that's quite sad because I think men don't talk about it in the pub, but I just think there is permission to actually say, okay, 
we do get our rocks off in different ways and let's not feel too embarrassed about yeah. it. It's like normal. little phrases like the wank bank, you know, that is, te- mm. that is, uh, that is definitely a, a boy phrase. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, it can relate to girls as well, but that's the level of comfort mm. that boys have in terms of, you know, they've got catchphrases. Mm. You they know. do it together in boarding school. Yes, absolutely. Well, apparently. Do they? Do, Anarchy, <laughs> what kind of films have you been watching? I know, I keep hearing this whole, they always, well, they always used to say, I didn't go to boarding school, but they used to always talk about this biscuit yes. thing, where oh, they all do it on a biscuit, and I just think oh, that's yeah. so strange, but to have that sort of competitive, imagine a group of girls sitting around and doing that together at boarding school, and it not being like a porno for... It would definitely be a custard yeah. cream, though. Yeah. Definitely. But even... Toast in the teller. Even something like going to a strip club for a, a stag do is essentially a communal sexual experience. I mean, I know a lot of guys probably go and just skulk at the back, but, you know, the ones that are really going for it, that is a communal sexual experience which girls don't really have. I've got five really, of. really good female friends, and they may not think of themselves as my really good but they are. I think of them as my really good female friends. And we've never, ever had a wank chat, ever. And I don't think they would appreciate it if I was like, so what do you think of... Um, I, heard, I heard something the other day that was called like a like a top 10, it's like a visual reel that people play over and over in their mind when they're trying to have an orgasm. And I just think it'd be so hilarious one day to ask them, like, okay, what do you think about it? I don't know if they could tell me, and I don't know if I could tell them. I mean, I've told you two more about my sexual life and preferences, I think, than anyone. But that's because we all give each other permission to say vibrator, Mm. anal sex, lube, you know, all of these words that in a lot of other environments are, oh, God, it's just embarrassing. And I think that's what's important about the Hotbed Collective, and that's what I like about it, and that is what people seem to like about it too, is that it is a forum for people to talk about sex, whether they are having a lot or whether they are having none. Actually, we want to cover kind of all ends of the scale because it's quite inspiring, as um, Anarchy said, to hear from people who are like, well, I'm, you know, actually, we have a great time. Yeah. Um, and then for the people who are feeling isolated and not having a good time, they can write about that too. I mean, if you look at the pieces on our website, we've got a variety of different voices. We've got, you know, a single mother who writes about her dating experience. We've got a gay man talking um, I can't remember the topic of his article now, but it was something. It was like advice, juicy. advice, mm. advice for single, uh, advice for heterosexual Straight couples. Women. That's yeah. right. It's great. That's so right. That was one of our first pieces. Um, it's still my favourite. I think I learned so much that day. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Well, that's what we are. We're learning. Yeah. I think also a lot of us are of a, you know, we're of a similar generation. We're pitched at sort of grown-up sex. I'd say sort of women over thirty, and I think we're bridging that gap between the teenage magazines we all read at school. Um, which gave us all our sex education. So I was definitely a fan of Just 17, Sky Magazine, More Magazine. And there was a lot of sex content in there. And some of it was really funny and some of it was very sensible. And there was sort of everything, really. And I remember reading it. I used to love doing all the quizzes, you know, Mm. sort of multiple choice. (laughs) And one of them was about sex and relationships. and And it was, I think it was Just 17 or more. And it said something like, do you A, um, just masturbate, B, have sex, just have sex or C, have sex and masturbate too. And the answers were, if you'd said C, it was, congratulations, you are a sex goddess. And I loved mm. that kind of like, just because you're having sex doesn't mean you need to stop masturbating. You can yes. do sort of everything and that makes you a sex goddess. Now, how wonderful to read that as a 16, 17-year-old girl and think, yeah, I can have sort of sexual agency and do what I want with my own body. And I just felt that since I stopped reading these magazines, because obviously it would be a bit weird for a 35-year-old to be reading <laughs> just 17. I, in fact, I don't even know if it's still on the market. Probably not. Um, Sorry to no, tell you, not. I don't think it is, Lisa. <laughs> we need to do one called Just, just 38. Or <laughs> just 38 plus, maybe, to 38 to 45. Just pretending to be 38. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have a nice silver fox. That's kind of what yeah. I think is. So that's where I think we sit, is that kind of picking, picking that Oh, we've got a live one. <laughs> we've got a lovely yeah, little visitor one. who's coming. Um, Lisa's bought her kid, Stanley, who's adorable and sweet, and we plonked him in front of... With headphones on, so uh, he's not <laughs> listening to explicit No, he's content. absolutely not. And he also looks like our tiny sound recordist, which is he's magical. gorgeous. Uh, while Lisa's doing that, I'll, Anakia, I'll ask you my next question. Um, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to couples having good sex? 
Um, I think it, it's really difficult. I think that's the thing. That's the journey that we're on. It's kind of learning about that. But I think some of it is bad habits. Um, it's interesting because one of my friends at the moment, and she won't mind me saying because I won't name her, she's doing this thing at the moment where basically they're having sex every night for 10 days. And it's been a well sort of documented mm. thing that this can help. And I think some of it is, and some people argue against scheduling and they say that's a really bad idea. But if you get into that habit of kind of putting kids to bed and then eating dinner and then flopping on the sofa and then putting telly on and feeling knackered, which is the habit of a lot of people, sometimes sex just doesn't become part of the routine in the same way that going for a run or eating some healthy food isn't part of a routine. And it's not very romantic, but I think couples who have done that every night scheduling have found that, okay, the first three or four nights it's been pretty awful because who really wants to do it when they're not in the mood? But actually, gradually, what they've found is that they've come almost rediscovered the lusty side. Um, and I think the barriers to it are probably because you stop seeing your partner as you saw them when you first met them. And I know that, you know, we, day to day, you can be very critical of your partner. I think women are generally, can be quite critical. We've talked before about how we want these dynamic men who have their own tech companies and have <laughs> apps that are also really well educated and have loads of money, uh, very feminist. We demand a lot of these, you know, yes. these things. And sometimes you can get into this mode where you can look at your partner and you just see this sort of big farting machine and you're sort of like actually <laughs> and it kind of half past nine at night watching Game of Thrones it's like no one's dynamic and you're like no. hang on where's my dynamic bearded tech entrepreneur but the other <laughs> who are you is, is we don't look at ourselves because I know that I come I, when I used to work in an office I used to come home from work and I probably was looking quite good and I would come in and I would put on some old <laughs> Black jogging bottoms that were all saggy around the arse and some sweater with a bit of old egg on and I would like take all my makeup off and yeah. then I would sit on the sofa and I like to pick the lipstick off my mouth while I'm watching television what, and he's not into that yeah like, what's wrong so, with him so we're guilty like basically if I look at myself I think well that's revolting yeah yeah you know so I'm looking, you're looking at one another I was my favourite book is the twits you know Roald I Dahl. love that and I think basically you all turn into the twits eventually yeah so big bearded warm, Forty disgusting people who have worms yeah. living in there. Looking at the head. other person going, why you don't want this? Yeah. <laughs> you want some mama? And sometimes it's funny because like, you'll have a friend and they'll say, oh, your partner's really attractive. And you're yeah. like, what? And you don't even. You, and that's, that's not fair. And I'm yeah. sure they're thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually got a friend at the moment who's trying to reconnect with her husband after, and they had a kind of hiatus. And... and um, and I met him, I saw him, and, and I was like, holy crap, he's gorgeous. And I told her, and I thought, is it, is it, I thought, is it weird? It just myself. kind of came up. I'm going to have myself. God damn. <laughs> so I said it to her, and um, she went, oh my God, that's so amazing to hear. Do you really think that? And I was like, yeah, because they don't really go out a lot anymore. She was like, God, yeah, he is, isn't he? And I was like, yeah, he's a seriously gorgeous man. It really helped her to mm. see him. I was reading somewhere that one of the best things you can do for your relationship is to see your partner doing stuff out of the home. Mm. So if they've got presentations or if they're in a band or if they're maybe not at meetings. <laughs> maybe not No. So I do think that is a really practical... I liked that because it was really practical. Like if you're partner does anything that you can go and watch and observe you know even if somebody works in a nine-to-five office there are conferences that you can go to or even if you're out socializing which is what I do think socializing together is really important I know it's really exhausting but because you see another woman flirting with them mm. and they you know everyone slightly perks up and I think that's really useful as well to be a bit like oh they're being clever and knowledgeable and that's really sexy and fun okay Lisa yes. what do you think are the biggest obstacles to people not having sex and do you have any practical tips for how to get out of ruts well I think this is a really sounds like a very kind of banal point but there was a survey once that or a study that found that couples that had a television in their room had sex less frequently um, and I've never had a TV in my room I don't think apart from when I was at university so um it's interesting you say that because you go to I bed, did at one point did you? and it and was it was 
dry my, time. It was my bad. It was it was the it was a bad the period. Crash. Interesting. Yeah. So whilst I don't have a television in my room, and I'm sure lots of people don't, what do we take to bed every night? Our <sighs> mobile phones. The phones. And so everyone's got their own TV. So you're not even watching something together. Everyone's got their own phone, and they're on Instagram, or they're on Twitter, or they're reading the news. And that I can be scrolling for an hour in bed. So I'm already really, really tired. I've already had to drag myself off the sofa. I've had a dinner. I've, I mean, I hate getting ready for bed. That's the oh. worst thing because I'm already really tired. And then you lie in bed and then you might scroll through Instagram for an hour. So yes. you're not going to have sex. And actually, I don't think anyone's really thinking about it in that way. But if you were to perhaps leave your phone outside mm. of the room, you might have a conversation, you might have a cuddle. That is unspeakably hard though. Mm. I mean, that is a mountain mm. of discipline there, isn't mm. it? It doesn't have to be every night, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I think that's interesting is this keep keep using the words having sex, because I, I wonder whether, and this is again another, I think actually Red Magazine, quite like Red Magazine, you know, mm. saying about just 17, Red is kind of like they're just 17, but it's just not 38. Got, <laughs> the beyond, it? Yeah. Oh. Oh. But, yeah, they're, they're no saying perfect. something in there, and I just think there there is something in this kind of, there's a bit of pressure. You know, like people do date night and they go, it's date night. We're going to get really dressed up. We're going to go to a fancy restaurant. We're going to really have great conversation and see each other in a whole new light. And there's too much pressure. And then we're going to get home. We're going to have sex. It's going to be amazing. And actually, that's too much pressure. So maybe, can you just say tonight? And I think actually Dr. Karen, our sex expert, the sex doctor who's amazing. Yes. She said one of the things is maybe, maybe she didn't use the word fondle. But why not just say, we're going to spoon? I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna cup your bum or I'm gonna mm. give you a fondle or I'm just we're gonna have some sort of intimacy but we don't actually have to have sex. Mm. Okay, so. we'll just check. We're checking, checking. Anarchy, please check. I'm checking. I'm checking. Check, oh, check, 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 check it out. Okay, I'm just gonna admit that the uh, <laughs> the the microphone lead fell out and so we just had a sound check and I'm gonna put that into the podcast because it was so beautiful. I felt like we were almost <laughs> gonna harmonise. Like poetry. It was seamless. What were you talking about, Anarchy? Sex and long-term fondling relationships, bottoms. fondling. You fondling. were doing a movement of squeezing bottoms. <laughs> squeezing or milking a very large teat. I know. <laughs> well, because I was just thinking, actually, this is the thing, and I think, I don't know whether we did, I think maybe I wrote something about this ages ago, which was about how nobody snogs anymore. Mm. So when you used to go to parties, basically, you would snog 10 people and then you'd go home, and that was it. Quite a lot of fingering for me as well. There was a bit <laughs> yeah. of that, maybe, but maybe <laughs> not. Oh, yeah. There was, there was not all the other stuff, and I think that's what we lose when we get older. Like, I really miss those days. But just having that, that kind of fun. Yes. And it doesn't always have to lead to sex. Because if someone said to you, do you know yes. what, do you just want me to give you a massage and we're not going to have sex? Or actually, I'm just going to rub your feet or I'm just going to play with your boobs. Yes. And then I'm <laughs> no, <crazy. laughs> that, I can't even describe to you how amazing that miming was for that little riff. It was so like, wonderful. My boobs, my boobs are, they've got a lot of movement. Wow, in. your boobs are so made of like, like windmills. Annika, you're like the X-rated Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> well, my daughter oh my always God. comes up and she starts, she pokes them and they sort of swing like a pendulum back and forth. And she's really like, because they've got not Fascinating. much. Um, like a metronome. Got no elasticity in them anymore. A tit, a met tit. yourself out to like the National Orchestra. Swinging fun things. Not for children, but, yeah. I wonder. So I just wonder whether actually, and that's one thing we should probably be clear about, is that we don't want to pressurise people into having sex. And I think sometimes there's a myriad of other things that you could do but it's probably better than just sitting and scratching a bum. I think there's a middle ground because I agree that the last thing parents or people in long-term relationships who are suffering oh don't beep laundry thing it does carry on beeping so let's um we'll carry on will you carry on yeah yeah I'll edit that bit out this is this so we were talking about oh yeah I know what I was gonna say so Anarchy mentioned before for um, the experiment to, hang on, I'll wait for you to. It's finished. Yeah. Um, Anarchy mentioned, <laughs> beep beep, still here. Yeah. That's our washing machine does that as well, it keeps oh, beeping. It's just finish and be done with it. Okay. Um, Anarchy mentioned the 10 day sex experiment where you shag every day for 10 days. Then there's an opposite one where you basically say for 10 days, we are not going to have penetrative sex, mm. um, but we are going to do little things leading up to it. So a snog on the first day, and then maybe a massage, then like first base, second mm -hmm. base, and like little fun things along the way. But you know, as you're going into whatever you do, that you're not going to have sex. And for some reason, I think 
that takes the pressure off. It builds up some kind of anticipation. It I am so turned on right now. I mean, I'm literally. I'm thinking that song, you know, <laughs> it out, took it for a drink on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make it later Friday. Not that's too Friday. soon. Craig, it's too it? soon. Craig's experiment Friday. Friday. <laughs> this he is gave it by Wednesday. <laughs> Evening, we were having sex because I had a massive boner. On Friday, we didn't have sex on Saturday, but we did on Sunday a little bit. And Monday, back to the boxes. I fondled her breast like a pendulum. I think that's really good. There's a bit in Sex in the City where Samantha says the only thing hotter than having sex is not having sex because she mm. meets someone who's a monk and she kind of says, I really like that tactic. I think it takes the pressure off. But I do think, I suppose when I was talking about middle ground, I was thinking about ignoring the problem and thinking, you know, it's too much pressure. We'll just, it'll sort itself out. It doesn't sort itself out I think the majority of the Mm -hmm. time I think Mm -hmm. the action needs to be taken not necessarily jump into bed together and have you know boring sex that neither of you want and you're massively tired and it just feels horrible and there's no love in it but I think making a decision about what is right for you as a couple but actually taking action and there are so many choices, and I think that's why the Hotbed Collective website is so good, because you can pick and choose. Do you want to go balls deep into sex toys and lube? I have been with people that that would scare very much, and it would be a real turn-off, and I think often it's best to do that really, really delicately and gently. Or it is just that you set yourself a plan where you agree to not have sex. I think you need to talk about it together. That's really hard. In fact, that's a question. If you find that you are having an unsatisfying sexual experience in whatever form that takes in your marriage, and it's really or a long-term relationship, and it is actually bothering you, you know, that it's it's boring, actually, and it, it, you lose intimacy and you lose the love a little bit. Well, it can be. I do think some people ha- have don't have sex and they're fine but if we're talking about the majority of people where it is a problem how do you make that first move how do you have that conversation because it is it is a bit of a bombshell so here's a hack that someone told me a while ago not just in terms of talking about sex but actually bringing up any difficult conversation with anyone and that is don't do it face to face so the idea is that the ideal would be that you would be across the table at dinner, for example, or having a coffee. Um, whereas something about humans uh, shy, shy, makes us shy away from eye contact and makes frank conversations very difficult if, you can, if someone can read you and you can read them. So someone said to me, if you have a tricky conversation with your partner, have it when you're walking, when you're both lying in bed looking at the ceiling, or when you're driving. And apparently this is why lots of couples end up having these big conversations on their Sunday night drive home. Uh, from wherever, grandparents, in-laws, etc. And there's something quite liberating about talking about tricky stuff where you can look at a road or look at a forest or look at a river. Um, It feels much less confrontational, a bit more Mm. gentle. Essentially, if you're doing something like walking, you've got fresh air, you've got a start point, an end point, you can go for a drink, there's some distraction. That is absolutely genius. I love how practical that hack is. Mm. It's, It's worked. It's some advice that someone gave to me is all the best advice and then I have given it to other people um and it's and it and it does work um also I remember I think it was either on your podcast Cherry or it was on the piece that she did for Hotbed but the wonderful Clemmy Telford said something really interesting about sex which was sometimes you're like getting on each other's nerves and then you have sex and actually everything then falls into place and you feel slightly less annoyed with each other the yes. next day and I think in a way, you have to kind of um, put bad on. Sorry, put good onto bad. In mm. a way, it's like if stuff's not quite working out, just like I don't know, it's not going to be the right advice for everyone because some problems are much more deep rooted than this. But just 
have the sex and then have the chat afterwards because there's that nice moment isn't there you know where everyone's friends cigarette moment mm. um where you are kind of friends and you've got a little bit of a glow even if it wasn't the greatest sex you've ever had but you do generally feel more connected as a couple and then you can say look that was nice but i you know i, I want you. more <laughs> yeah I hate you. one of the things i didn't realize about didn't sex like in terms of the dynamic it plays in your relationship because obviously when you're young and all you watch is the adidas commercials where everyone's having hot fun sex in a pool and everyone's cool and sexy sex you know young mm. sex and then you grow up and you realize that it plays quite an important function mm. in a relationship where it does press reset and it keeps on pressing reset and it keeps clearing the decks and it means that you keep on coming together not something always literally mm. if you're lucky <laughs> but it does form of it has a kind of mystical power sure. I would say yeah it connects you in a really really important way it you're a team you're together it's the thing you can do together that nobody else can give you yeah it's mm. very very it's bonding. It's, it is ox- bonding it's oxytocin isn't it yeah. so our birth hormone hormones have a big part to play don't they and it's interesting because yeah. I only really found out about oxytocin in my NCT class and they said, oh, this is the love hormone and you need to try to get it going and, um, you know, if you want a great birth. And actually, if you think about it, if you take it away from birth and think about it just in terms of your relationships, it is the building up of the the affection and the skin-to-skin contact with your partner. Mm. Um, and that makes you feel good and it makes you feel connected and loved and it makes, you know, everyone feel good. Um, so I think that you know, it's quite important. But the other thing, you know, about our society that's kind of, you know, messed up is that we find it very hard to disassociate sex from reproduction. And that's why we're in the problem that we're in after you've had your kids, because it's almost like no one, really cares. no one really cares. Biologically, you do not need to have sex anymore. So why should you? And that's, we've got our work cut out, I feel. Yes. Because actually, there's a big, you know, it is still a big deal. It is still important. You shouldn't write yourselves off. Um, and there was an interesting case that came out earlier this year about a Portuguese woman. I don't know if you saw it, but um, a Portuguese woman who I think was possibly in her 70s had a terrible botched operation, which meant that she was incontinent, she was in pain, and she couldn't have sex. Sex was too painful. And she went to court to sue whoever operated on her. And the judge said, I'm limiting the damages to this because he basically didn't accept the fact that the painful sex was a problem because mm. he looked at her age and basically said, it's not oh. important to you. So she, plucky woman that she is, took it to the European um, Court of Human Rights mm. and they ruled in her favour, which Whoa. is amazing. And it was such a moment because it was sort of saying, you know, it doesn't matter that she's not having sex, uh, you know, to have children. She has the right to a sex life and everyone has the right to a, you know, a happy sex life, you know, within legal boundaries. Um, so... This is this is our work because that's not how society really sees it. And I think it's interesting. I went to a talk the other day, and Dr. Ellie, who writes for the Daily Mail, was there, and she said something brilliant. She said the thing is, is that sex really has changed significantly in the last twenty mm. years for older women, because before women would have their menopause. This is decades ago, but women mm. would have their menopause, and they'd kind of nestle down into old age that's just not the case now if women are having their menopause between 45 and 50 65 Mm. then actually these women are in charge of companies these women have some of them have only just had children some Mm. of them are look very much um a a very active part of society they are great looking great got another 50 years potentially to go so Mm. actually Sex is, is a really important part, but I think it is a new conversation for women to have and for the society to have to be okay with, have permission to have sex later on. Yeah, and not to be... Because I think we were saying before when we've talked about it, there was always this sense of it being a bit disgusting. Yeah. You know, like, if you think about even our own parents, obviously you don't want to think about that. But I think there was just this idea that the older you are, because it's like we were saying, yeah. if you're young, it's a lovely, you know, fit, beautiful body. It was just the idea that 
you know, what does older, what does an older person having sex mean? Because oh, you're you're right. That the when do we ever of, see it? When yeah. do we ever see it on telly or in the movies? Yeah, without and actually feel comfortable. And I suppose that's why it's also tied into things about how you feel about your body and how a woman feels about her body. And that's what that is. I mean, we come back full circle because I guess that's another barrier is that unfortunately post kids you you don't feel great about your body and so actually you probably should be having um sex more because you should be feeling better about it that is one way to feel better and i mean there is one really interesting article that i'd love people to read which is about a woman who can orgasm well she did have orgasms while giving birth but that for the majority of people is not the reality the reality is that you may have all kinds of you know, issues and stitches, or if you've had a cesarean, you're going to have all kinds of aftercare with that. And um, I just... But that doesn't last forever. It doesn't, but I it think doesn't. that's the danger, is you kind of almost need to get back on the bicycle. And yeah. I think for some people... And there's another really interesting phenomenon where people just really hate their partner after they've yes. had a baby. And I, I keep reading accounts uh, of that, um, where people are really just kind of angry with their partner. And I think that, again, takes us back to the idea that you just need to park it and go, do you know what? I really hate the fact that you every morning leave your pants on the floor yeah. and never make the bed. Yeah. Because I, I can't carry these resentments with me. I, we just need to get on with it. Because for um, some people, the relationship will break down for significant reasons. And then for others, it is it is a very relatable, you know, lots of couples have it, kind of pick your bloody socks up for the love of God. Mm-hmm. Actually, they can be, you know, you can let go of that resentment. I'm such a big believer in women reclaiming sex as they when they get older. You've got more disposable income, so you can buy great underwear. It's a great calorie burn. It's an amazing core workout. It's great for the bum muscles as well. Think about all the stuff they go on about with mindfulness and being moment. So if you think, what's the opposite of kind of being sort of distracted? If, I mean, good sex, you know, is yes, really yes. about being in the moment and forgetting all this other stuff. Absolutely. So, it's so yeah. wonderful. It, it gives you all of the nice love hormones, but I do think that, I mean, if I see old people on telly having sex, you know, which almost never happens because you never see it, I definitely feel a bit uncomfortable. About, you know, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> see that. I want it to be on telly all the time, in the movies all the time. I met someone recently who works in an old people's home and she organises the, the buying of and the distributing of sex toys for them. And one of the women came up to her and said, I hear you buy sex toys for the other women. Am I allowed to still masturbate and orgasm? Oh, really? She said, you absolutely are. And she said, well, I haven't masturbated mm. for decades because I just thought, you know, you get old, you drink your orange barley water, you sit mm. down a lot. And the lady who works in the nursing home went, absolutely, you've got a lot of catching up to do. And I loved that. I, thought, I love this lady. Mm, what so a great good. job. Because I just think when you get to that age, my vision of the future then is I want to be smoking and drinking yes. and masturbating yes. myself into oblivion. <laughs> All at the same time. All please. at the same time. Because Can I do it with you? So I just, I just think, why the hell would you yes. be like, oh, I'm going to live carefully now? Yes, because actually you really can just go for it Because it doesn't matter. Live carefully now, yes. but then have really reckless, fun, experimental sex. Yes. But I do think this is a feminist issue as well because women have forever been told to be neat and tidy and feminine and not speak up and not be assertive. And if there's one thing mm. that sex is, it is assertive. It is, even if you're submissive, you're assertively submissive. Mm. And it is messy and fluidy and grabby. And it is not Audrey Hepburn having a nice cup of tea. Mm. It is all of the things that women, I think, aren't really allowed to be. Mm. And I think you get put into a box as well. It's like, I'm a mum, I've got organic smoothies in the fridge, but I love I love masturbating and, and vibrators. Mm. And it's like, can you be those two women? Can you be mm. a, a, a woman who loves sex and like quite likes experimental sex, but also make sure that you get your kids to school on time? And be responsible, because that's the yeah. other thing. This idea will... that you're really sexually active and yet mm. you're irresponsible is bananas. Yeah. Or your, yeah, your, your, well, the sort of sluttiness, the words that we use, you know. Yeah. 
And I think we need to kind of get over that. And that's the worrying thing is that's the bad side of kind of the internet. I mean, we haven't had any of that yet, but kind of men feeling very challenged and worried about women who are stepping up and actually being more vocal about what they do and don't don't like sexually. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of good reaction from what we're doing. And we at our launch party... We, we had a brilliant time. We had free cocktails in a brilliant bar called Tonight Josephine. And we just did a little teeny tiny speech. We didn't do much, did we? It was just, um, you know, a kind of welcome and an intro. And I thought, oh, everyone is just going to come because they're our friends and everyone wants a night out. It was the beginning of the summer. It was a really cool bar. But actually, on top of all of that, because all of that did apply, I had loads of people coming up to me and saying, you know, this is really important. What you're doing is brilliant. And kind of opening up. I think you had you two had it too. But... Since we've started, lots of people have opened up to us. And we've had people message us on Instagram and say that stuff has helped them. Um, and I've even had guys say, what you're doing is really important. And and it is. Mm. And um, we do live, unfortunately, in quite puritanical society. Um, but I think if we can keep at the core of what we're doing is important, we're not trying to titillate people. We're not trying to exploit anyone. Uh, we're not we're not encouraging bad or dangerous behaviour. All we're encouraging is, well, making the world better one orgasm at a time, which I think is a good place to start. And making mm. couples stronger and more loving and enjoyable and satisfying. Mm. I think especially if you can sort of have find ways to stay together, because I think there's so many pulls to pull you apart. Yes. I think we have a lot of technology and we have very high expectations of what, a great relationship should look like. I mean, somebody said to me that our grandmothers, in terms of what they expected, they didn't expect to have an amazing relationship and incredible engaged relationships with their kids and a stimulating job and be healthy and be fertile into their late 40s and have a dream home. They didn't have those expectations. And actually, that was that might have been a good thing because they, in, in some ways, people would say, well, that's a bad thing because actually they had quite shitty lives. But in another way, those expectations can feel quite heavy. And so I think if we can just help people navigate through a relationship and stay together... Um, if, if it's a crap relationship then that's not the answer but my fear is a bit certainly through friends experiences is that people split up when perhaps they could have stayed together just if they'd known a little bit more about how to have sex that they both felt okay with and that doesn't need to be every night it doesn't need to be and it doesn't need to be necessarily a certain kind of prescriptive way and I think that's the other thing is that you know we a lot of the magazine articles are very much about what is nor what's the norm. You need to be doing it three times a week. It needs to look like this. It needs to look like that. And I think we don't want to have that so much because that again is a bit of a pressure. It's it's just if you're comfortable and it feels okay and at least you're doing something that's getting you off and hopefully together on a fairly regular basis. I think that's okay. I don't think it needs to be okay. You need to be trying five hundred different positions and it needs to be athletic and it needs to do this and. I went, to, um, I went to a show earlier this year that my friend was in, and it was called I Work in a Sex Shop. And it featured my friend, who at that time worked for a sex toy brand. I've mentioned her already. Her name's Jane. And a friend of hers who works for a sex shop in, uh, I think in Berlin or Amsterdam, somewhere like pretty cool. Um, and they talked about this what's normal, because in both of their lines of work, they would get people coming up to them and saying, is this normal, is this normal, is this normal? And they used a really good example, which was, a guy coming up and saying, you know, um, you know, I don't last very long during sex. I really enjoy it, but I don't last very long. Partner seems happy, but, you know, is this normal? And then someone else saying, I can go for ages and is this normal? And partner seems happy and I'm happy, but is this normal? And it's sort of like there's not really a normal. There's, an in, there's a median. There's a kind of in-between everyone. That doesn't make it normal because there's, you know, who's setting these standards? As long as you're happy, then that's mm -hmm. sort of okay. And I think... You know, the other thing I was going to mention, actually, is our survey. So when we kicked off Hotbed earlier this year, and we didn't really know what people wanted from it. And I think our ethos is very much, let's see what people are enjoying, let's see what people are liking. You know, we're all really busy, and we want it to be a collective of voices and, um, you know, experiences. And we did a survey, and it was about sex after kids specifically. And um, it was basically... A lot of the answers came in, and I expected a lot of people to say that they don't have the sex life they want after kids because of birth injury or birth trauma. Uh, birth trauma is a big deal, actually, and not talked about enough, and I know that it's on mm. 
your other podcast, Cherry, mm. with Rebecca Schiller, but people don't talk about birth, which I think can lead to a lot of the resentment mm. building up and people hating their husbands because they just can't talk about their birth mm. and they feel that they shouldn't talk about the birth because they've got a healthy baby, etc. This is why we're called Hotbed, by the way, because <laughs> once you start, there's just so many things to talk about. But anyway, in this survey, I thought that would come up a lot. And actually, what came up more uh, frequently was people saying that they didn't have any confidence. They didn't have any body confidence. This was the women. And the men were saying, oh, she's so beautiful and wonderful and I still really fancy her and blah, blah, blah. And I thought there's a disconnect happening here where people, men, in, we're talking about sort of heterosexual relationships here, but the men are finding their partners still very attractive, but their partners, the females, are not feeling confident and that's stopping them having sex. But isn't that sad? Because essentially, you know, the the guys are happy and it's more about the women sort of finding a bit of confidence to have mm. sex but it's not really about what their partner thinks of them it's about how they feel about, about themselves, themselves which is what we need to work on mm. absolutely I remind everyone how many calories sex burns yes exactly. <laughs> but no obviously it's not about that because then that makes ha- it turn again into I know, like, it's no. a workout come sex. on get oh, your God. scientific training no, I sure. think we should put out this propaganda sex makes you more attractive it makes you yes. richer it makes yes. you it gives you the kind of little the flush to your cheeks Absolutely. it makes your hair all Bridget it Bardot. makes you invisible it makes you stronger <laughs> than strong yeah <laughs> So, ladies, I'm going to wrap us up because I feel like this is going to be part one of many more to come. Sure. Our next exciting thing is... Hotbed Podcast. The live recorded podcast, podcast. which is very exciting. We're throwing ourselves in at the deep end, I think, with this. Um, But we are... We had such a ball at our party, at our launch party, but just... Drinking and dancing and um, taking pictures of Passing ourselves. Passing a large marrow around. And there was well. a bit that of was that your going fault. Yeah. Anarchy bought a large marrow that she grew, grew in her garden yeah. and it was just so beautiful. It was like a, a, a real life emoji. So it wasn't an aubergine. We'll have to do it again. People really Another. got on board with the marrow. I think confused people in, an, in a cheery way. They did. And I made a little box that looked like a vagina <laughs> and it was out of a Kleenex box. Can we um, do that again at the podcast? Well, I, yeah, I'm just, I've got it. It's in my shed. It's love that you've good. got a vagina tissue box in your shed. Don't you? <laughs> I do. I, yes. <laughs> so Every good woman along. should. And we are going to take our show on the road and we are going to sit on the stage and we're going to have some special guests and Dr. Karen is going to be there and we all love her and think she's ace. She is amazing. And, um, and we're going to be selling tickets. Yeah, so soon. watch yeah. out on the Hotbed Instagram account. And it's going to be very funny. We've got a comedian coming and we might have a little sketch show. And there'll be cocktails yeah. and pizza and all sorts of fun and shit. There'll be all sorts of things. And then I do believe... And then we might even do... Took her for a drink on Tuesday. <laughs> yes. We were making love Anarchy. on Friday. I really feel like you need to just. I need a bit of that 90s, sing that. Is it nineties R and B? It is nineties R and B. So we might have wonderful. a bit of the R Kelly. We'll we do might a bit have of R Kelly. Whole load of songs that. Are but they're open till two p.m. So we're going to have a boogie as okay. well. Okay, so we yeah. can do some. Sexy dancing. We can do some um, slut dropping. Some slut dropping, like, some gyrating, yeah. bumping and grinding. Absolutely. Well, I think on that note, I'm going to say thank you very much. Love you both. See you at the live podcast and we'll do another one of these later. Hooray! Hooray! So there we go. That was Lisa, Anarchy and Miggins here. We are the Hotbed Collective. It sounds a bit like the Three Musketeers. I've got to find a better way of saying that. Really hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to look out on our Instagram for details of any live events coming up. We love all feedback. It's very much a collective for all of us. We are just your admin monkeys. But if you've got an article you'd like to write, we would love to have it. We'll pop it up on the website and on Instagram. Uh, our Instagram is The Hotbed Collective and kind of pretty much the same for our website. And I will see you next time. And I don't, uh, I don't know who I'm going to do next time. I think it might be Mother Pucker. I've got her stored up in the wings. I've got a really fab interview with Mother Pucker up my sleeve. I'm just waiting for an appropriate moment to drop it. But yeah, I think maybe I'll do that one next week. It's a cracker. It's with her sister, I know. Double trouble. Anyway, have a lovely week. It's very balmy at the moment. It's making me very happy. Um, but I have cracked out my opaque tights and boots because... Um, basically my favorite thing about winter all right love to you all um, and go and have some nice orgasms this week